Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to Episode 75 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And today we wanted to revisit E&M 2021, some of the questions we had come up, and uh, just discuss it a little bit more. We know that if somebody has a question, it may answer somebody else's question, and that may they may have the same question. So we want to have this discussion today and uh, go through, uh, I don't know, about uh, six or eight questions, and uh, it'll bring up some discussion. So let's let's get to it. Uh, let's start with, is pyuria and hematuria two points or one? Okay, so first up, uh, you're, the question really is directed towards a presenting problem list. Pyuria and hematuria are symptoms that a patient comes in with and wouldn't ever be categorized in the data category. So we, I, I just want to uh, move that over that they we wouldn't we're not talking about data on this one, which is where mostly we count points. Um, so uh, it is though a, a presenting problem list. and and ultimately, um, as we've discussed over the years, a presenting problem is not based on the diagnosis or number of diagnoses that a patient presents with but instead based on the problem and the management associated with that problem. So py- pyuria and hematuria, uh, from what we see with urology groups, would probably be uh, treated initially at least as a single problem. Uh, if a patient presented with both hy- pyuria and hematuria, uh, the uh, this what we see from standard of care looks like the initial approach would be to treat the patient for the pyuria uh, and see if that cleared up the hematuria. So in most cases, we would see this as one presenting problem um, that may or may not represent uh, a long-term problem, um, depending on if the patient has uh, we don't. We suspect prostatitis, or uh, we suspect a UTI, which would probably categorize it into an acute, uncomplicated. Um, if we uh, suspected that this was due to a stone or something else, based on the patient's problem, we might have acute complicated. Uh, and if it was uh, something that was more of a recurrent UTI or something along those lines, we might see that as a chronic with exacerbation. Um, so it's going to depend on what else the patient presents with to actually determine which level the presenting problem would be under. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm sure there are some cases out there somewhere that you might be able to look at those as two separate issues, but we couldn't really think of a good one with just this pyuria hematuria example. So typically we would lump that as a a single presenting problem. 
and the scoring would be based on what else is going on with the patient, whether it's acute uncomplicated, acute complicated, or uh, a chronic with exacerbation. Ray, anything to add on that discussion? No, I think that was good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think that cleared that up uh, a little bit better. Now, uh, the second question we had is, if it appears to be clearing, would it still be considered with exacerbation? So I, I think, again, it's going to depend on the overall note um, relative to where the patient is in the treatment uh, protocol. You know, you may have uh, a urine uh, UA that's clearing uh, when, in fact, you're still in the middle of an active treatment phase um, for a, a particular problem where you might consider it um, a chronic with exacerbation at that time. Um, so it's hard to, to just label clearing as something that is uh, – really a guiding light, if you will. Uh, now, if, if in fact you've got a UTI that's, um, that's now uh, basically going away, that you don't have the, the maybe the, the culture and sensitivity came back with the right drug and the urine's getting clear, um, you know, we'd still count that as a chronic with exacerbation and, or excuse me, an acute uncomplicated uh, until we got to the point where the problem was was uh, resolved to move it into that minor um, category or that lower category. So uh, I don't know that, you know, in the end, clearing uh, would necessarily take you out of with exacerbation or not. Um, as a single word, you'd have to, again, look at the rest of the record to put it in context to see whether or not it was in fact, a chronic with exacerbation or a stable chronic problem. Are you seeing a lot of the problems uh, in in audits uh, being questioned? A lot of um, levels of problem, I guess. I, there, we've definitely had some discussions about that as we run through the auditors and um, making sure that everybody understands the urology behind it and you know, ultimately, this is where we are encouraging all of the uh, clinical documenters, your QHPs, to make sure that they really put their overall thought process into the medical record. Because we don't, you don't always get an auditor or a chart reviewer that really understands urology. And so if you're not really looking at putting down your full process, like, you know, that maybe this patient, um, had some issue that was, uh, we'll say it's a, a recurrent UTI and you've got them on a current drug regime, you know, why do you want to continue through the overall uh, course of antibiotics and then test them again? You know, those are things that you want to put that thought process down um, because the assumptions of somebody who doesn't understand urology may not really understand two things. Number one, why you're ordering another uh, culture and sensitivity be, when you've got a, a UA that's looking clearer than it was, or and 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 B why that is more difficult medical decision making, or an acute problem that's un or not a stable chronic problem 
uh, as as you're dealing with somebody the, that you see them and and yeah, their culture is clean, their um, their urine is clean, and they finish their course of antibiotics. That's a different decision making process than someone who's in the midst of treatment, and that's really where that medical decision making is trying to help separate which levels go to which patients and problems. Ray, anything? Yeah, Mark, if I heard you correctly, you're you're saying that the answer to that question would be yes and no, <laughs> depending on the documentation. Because uh, exacerbation has two different definitions. One is the problems getting worse, or two, you have not reached your treatment goals with that problem yet. Is that correct? Okay, Ray, I, you know, with exacerbation, uh, has that uh, caveat within CPT that says not at treatment goals. Uh, or not at clinical goals. Uh, so when we look at that it, with exacerbation, if you're in the active treatment phase of a chronic problem with exacerbation, then you are still managing that uh, exacerbation. And so um, making sure that the auditor and your documentation show that auditor that you are still managing that particular exacerbation and that you're not at clinical goals uh, is uh, in, an important part of your documentation. And, and understanding that your payers um, and your auditors aren't always as adept at reading between the lines with urology problems. So the more you can put your thought processes down, the, the easier it is for the auditor to understand why you chose what you chose instead of having to go back and maybe argue with them. Okay, going on to the uh, to the next question, kind of continuing on the uh, discussion of the presenting problem. Uh, next question is: Can a problem be considered chronic if you expect the problem will last greater than a year, or is it only considered chronic if the problem has existed for greater than a year? Okay, yeah. So according to the guidelines, a chronic is considered a problem is considered chronic. If it is expected to last greater than a year or until the death of the patient, so um, that would be, you know, ultimately a BPH presenting as a new problem. Uh, if if that is uh, the initial presentation, it is actually a chronic problem with exacerbation because most BPH cases are expected to last a year. Now, if you don't know if it's prostatitis or a BPH, then you've probably got it into that uh, acute uncomplicated or potentially an undiagnosed new problem because you may consider also prostate cancer the issue relative to the symptoms that we're presenting. So um, again, it's all about your documentation, but the, the actual answer to that question is if the problem is expected to last more than a year, um, it is chronic, uh, and ultimately, if it uh, has been in place for a year and you expect it to last longer, 
that's a problem that's a, you 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 that lasts greater than a year. So a little bit of yes would probably be the right answer here. Okay. Ray? That was a, a, an asylum agreement from Ray. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Then let's go on to the next question. If Medicare does not cover bladder scans for UTI, would we count it? Okay. So this is an area where we've got uh, a cross between coverage and um, actual decision-making. So the, the important part in medical decision-making is that if you have data that you are actively using in your medical decision-making, then you would count it as data in the data point for calculating your E&M score, regardless um, if Medicare covers that piece of information or not. We all know that you know me Medicare has some specific and restrictions restricted coverage for things like bladder scans uh, and, and oftentimes doesn't cover it for a UTI. Uh, but if the physician uh, or PA uses the bladder scan uh, in a medically necessary way for making their decisions, you would still count it as data in medical decision-making, even though Medicare would not cover that uh, service. What if it was uh, an uncovered, uh, a, a totally uncovered service, like a not FDA approved? So um, that is still data. Um, I would count it as data, uh, again, because it's information that's there. Now, obviously, if you're using something that's not FDA approved, um, you need to make sure it's safe <laughs> and, and effective. Um, so you may have a different issue uh, under that issue, uh, under the overall scope of medical care. So you don't want to put your patients at risk for something like that. So um, you, you probably ought to make sure it is safe and effective and FDA approved. But from a, a pure... MDM perspective, data is data. And it just needs okay. to be used in medical decision making. Right? Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah, they're basically in medical decision making paying you for your thought process, uh, except as we pointed out in other venues, they they've withdrawn some of the payment for thought processes so they don't overpay you for data or they don't make data the biggest uh, consideration in medical decision making. Uh, you know, that's always been a problem for me when they uh, set up a principle to do something but didn't follow through. But at any rate, that's exactly what it is. So, Mark, I think you're right. Okay. All right, let's move to the next question. If the provider documents that he reviewed records from the ER, then lists out imaging and documents a brief overview of what happened at the ER, does that still count as two data points or would that be double dipping on the record, record, record review from the same entity? Yeah, so remember that in uh, April of last year, 
the or March and April of last year, you had both the AMA and the CMS kind of add some verbiage to the uh, guidelines for evaluation and management services. And one of the things that they addressed was that a record review included the data that was in within that record. Uh, so ultimately, if he does a or she does a a brief overview of the images and data points that were in that medical record, it's still part of that medical record. The only thing that you might consider changing uh, in that regard is if there was, in fact, an image that uh, the physician then pulls up and and separately interprets. So now you're not using the notes from the ER to develop your conclusion to treat the patient. You're actually in, in, independently interpreting an image. So in that instance, that CT scan uh, that you're reviewing would count as one category two data point even if there was a summary within the ER uh, note. Uh, so ultimately it's, it's again, you know, kind of there, we're targeting how that data is used. And if it's just summarized overall from what happened at the ER, uh, it would be one point, uh, but, and it would always only count as one category one point. Uh, so that would be true of your UAs and your blood work and all those, those would all be rolled into that, provider note. But if you did do a separate interpretation, there is a possibility of counting that interpretation if it's um, developed and used appropriately as as a category two data point. Ray, anything to add? You know, I think that's clear. One point for reviewing the records, and if you actually view the imaging, you still get to count your two points. No, not two points, your category two data. Well, <laughs> yes, that is technically correct. And that's the way Ray's been uh, trying to get us all to, to, to speak, that if you viewed the image, make that view being independently interpreted, or if you review it, then it's not independently interpreted. That's Ray's trying to get that lingo you know, more consistent across the board. So, yeah, and I would add viewed and interpreted. So you need to put down what you saw. Um, so summarize what you saw. Otherwise, viewed isn't quite enough. It needs to be viewed and interpreted. And so, if you viewed the image and then put down what you found, that 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 would suffice. And and the reason we're making that distinction, review could be miscon screwed is having reviewed the reading or reviewed the x-ray but if you view it why it makes it a little bit harder to misinterpret what you did all right i like the viewed uh, viewed and interpreted that's good okay um next question cystoscopies are they counted as minor surgery or just data point all right, so this is a point in where I, I need to uh, retract a little bit of what I said during our E&M uh, program. We went back uh, and reviewed the guidelines in detail um, on this particular question. And, and during our E&M training, 
we we allowed the cystoscopy to be counted based both as risk and a data point, and that is not appropriate. Um, the guidelines, as they read, you know, really are about data being really more focused on lab X-ray um, and results that are not performed by the physician, uh, and that the physician is really uh, with the cystoscopy and those uh, other minor procedures that you're doing in your office that are diagnostic is going to be paid separately. So we would just count it as a uh, based on the risk category from the test in E&M coding. So an endoscopy, a cystoscopy is an, is an endoscopy code, which is counted as moderate risk, but would not be counted as a data point in addition. Now, in, in, in all of our uh, flashcards that we discussed, we had four references where we inappropriately counted an order Cisto as data. We took those uh, off the data point list. We did have one of our cards that, that affected the data level, but in the end, it never affected the end uh, code um, for those of you who uh, participated in the program. Um, uh, with the flashcard. So, um, but it is important to understand that um, cystoscopy should only be counted based on its risk uh, to the patient and not counted as a data point for ordering uh, that particular service. Ray, anything? No, that's good. Okay. All right. Hopefully that clarifies that. Um, Okay, let's go on to uh, one final thought, one final uh, question, and then uh, we'll wrap this episode up. So uh, please explain what you meant when you said each CPT counts as one point. So I think that was a big question uh, in the workshop. You know, what does that what does that exactly mean? Yeah, so um, ordering or reviewing a data point, and specifically, this is more targeted towards labs. Um, but could also be considered on um, on radiologic services, is that each CPT code is a separate test. Uh, and because they've lumped together order and review and they only allow you to count those category one points once, uh, they were very specific in the guidelines stating that that data point was uh, specifically tied to each CPT code. So, you know, a CBC represents a lot of data. Um, a chem panel represents a lot of data, but there's one CPT code for that, so that is one point. Uh, but a creatinine is also one point because it has its own separate CPT code. So a UA and a creatinine um, would be two points those are two separate CPT codes. So it's, it is driven by the CPT coding of the test that you order or review. All right, Ray, anything to add? No. Okay, well, we're gonna continue this discussion at our seminars. Uh, you, as we've mentioned before, we're having a live in-person seminar in Las Vegas, first week of December, and uh, we'll, be talking a lot about E&M 2021 and uh, reviewing a lot of these uh, scenarios as well. So uh, we hope you can join us. Um, we're also having 
another uro urology advanced coding and reimbursement seminar in New Orleans at the end of January. So we hope you can uh, join us for that. We're going to see a lot of hopefully see a lot of you guys down in uh, Las Vegas. So um, I think that's uh, it for today. Ray, take us out. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juice Reap.